0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 25 of the How We See Things podcast. I am Statement X and I'm here this week as
1: always with my co-host John Stark. Dan, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Hello, hello everyone. Um, pleased to be here. Uh, we're, we're into October now, so uh, the weather's changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah um,
0: actually having to wear like a, like a hoodie indoors. It's it's not quite as cold as it probably is in the UK or in parts of the world like Canada, but it's getting a little too chilly for my for my taste. Oh dude,
1: come on. What's, what's yes, the weather sir. there? Like I it's, like it's it's got to like seven degrees in the mornings, centigrade. All right, you guys are uh uh
0: the sea people. Yeah. We're far ahead over here. So I'm thinking about like in the 70s or 60s or something. What
1: does that mean um, in English? What does that mean in English?
0: Yeah, Fahrenheit, like, so like, uh, you know, the unit of measurement of the temperature, I think, varies depending on what part of the world you are. In yeah, Nigeria, I'm aware. The I mean, what's this? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what I mean of Fahrenheit. I just know that like Fahrenheit is, is, is usually like, larger so when you when you say like seven or so that might be like 40 something or something oh you don't know the conversion um, i don't i don't know the conversion no i don't um but yes speaking of like you know seasons and like changing seasons we are currently in the midst of you know election season in our home country nigeria as we had alluded to previously on you know other episodes the campaign is beginning to heat up the elections are next year and we're getting to the end of 2022, so the campaign is is heating up. You know, the rhetoric is heating up from from candidates. Um, campaign strategies are starting to take shape, or not. And you know, we kind of just want to discuss all things related to the campaign. Um, you know, for the presidency in Nigeria next year. Um, so there are three primary candidates: um, Peter Obi, the house favorite. Uh Bola Asiwajiwa Metinubu, um aka Miloko and and Mr You know part-time resident um Atiku. Starting with uh with our favorite guy, Peter Rabi, kind of where I want to kick the conversation off, is you know, I, I want us to put on our like pundit hats, you know, our and just like discuss you know politics in terms of like campaigning and everything. Peter B has been spending a lot of time around the world. Yes. Basically like in, in the West, campaigning in the UK, traveling um, through America, speaking to um, Nigerians in these parts of the world, um, speaking to non-Nigerians, generating a lot of like foreign attention, press, get generating a lot of coverage, you know, to himself and to his movements. Kind of starting there, Dan, what do you think is the reasoning or is the strategy behind this approach to campaigning of like, you know, speaking to Nigerians in the diaspora? Who, I would remind, you know, people listening... can't Cannot say.
1: vote. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unlike some other countries where um, those in diaspora can vote, Nigerian citizens abroad cannot vote. Um, and within Nigeria itself, there's obviously the stringent, Very stringent process of getting your pvc to vote um you have to go through the whole process of getting it then you actually have to go and collect it it's not like a same day kind of thing it's it's a process that you know can be very difficult for people who are very busy and if people aren't socially minded in terms of um voting then they might not pick it up um to your question about B's, i mean uh B's approach in, in going abroad to meet with prominent members of his support base, I think there's two ways to look at it. The first kind of most obvious reaction is to say, well, those people who you're talking to in the diaspora, whilst they can put forward your message, especially on social media, I think mm. it has it said, and many have a grasp, um, however basic, of how social media works how to generate some traffic, um, whilst they may create buzz, create a noise, and you can definitely, no one can doubt that 2 B has a lot of momentum in terms of people are talking about him, um, and people are generally, you know, interested to see what he has to say. In reality, what does that mean in practice? So most of these people that he's talking to who are diasporans are not going to go back to Nigeria to vote in 2023, so you could say that the second limb of their support is perhaps another motivating factor. So beyond the ideological support, which a lot of them retain, beyond the idea that he's competent, of his competency and his antecedents as a state governor, the pragmatic side of me says it's the money, right? And yeah. money does make the world go around, or some sort. Some some saying like that goes. Um, if you look at the areas we're talking about you know, very wealthy Nigerians in Houston, Chicago, blah blah blah, you're looking about London, Manchester, places like that with very wealthy diasporans as well. He has a lot of support from you know just kind of ordinary entrepreneurs, just just yeah, what you would call. A, a standard Nigerian. No,
0: no, So, 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 kind of starting with the second one first. Um, you know, just paraphrasing what you said, he doesn't have access to the same amount of stolen money that Tinubu or Atiku has. Um, he doesn't allegedly. have access to the same allegedly. They have access to the same like you know, unending pool of of money that those two have. So he has to find a way to raise money. Um, and I think he's raising money. Abilities kind of capped um, in Nigeria because I could just say he doesn't have access to the funds that those other people have. And And the people, the well-meaning Nigerians who would support um, his message, you know, may not be able to, you know, fund the campaign the way he would like. So he's his best, next best option is to go around talking to Nigerians, playing on, because you know, there's this thing that, or there's this saying that no one loves Nigeria more than a Nigerian who doesn't live in Nigeria. Um, so this this thing that he's doing is cutting basically to Nigerians abroad. We love it. We love the idea of Peter Obi, you know, fighting for change from um, from Nigeria. We love supporting him and all that. So I think he's playing into that and playing on that a lot as well. I think the first thing you, you said also was the social media um effects, which is that like you know, Nigerians in the West or in diaspora are very influential. Yeah um, not only not only in mainstream you know social media spaces but on the social media conversation that happens um, you know locally as well. Um so he's playing on, on those two things. Um but you know the, the key thing there is that those those people don't vote. And, yes. you know in the second half of what you were saying, you were you were alluding to cynicism about you know just the fact that like he's doing it um for money. And, you know, there was something I saw on on Twitter, a video of him coming down from an escalator from back on one of his trips. And, you know, um, somebody playing like the national anthem with like a saxophone and everything. And if you listen to like the stump speech that he's giving, um, he's a politician. So he has a speech, he has a stump speech, things that he goes through, you know, at each of these places. And then he tweets out like, you know, long threads of them. Some Some of the things are like, you know, generalissimo, just like broad Um, things that he talks about but there are like you know one or two specific you know things that he tries to highlight apparently his campaign claims that they would have a proper manifesto um, you know coming out um, next week what but for like the past like month month and a half or so he has been dominating the coverage because there have been rallies for him you know all over nigeria some stuff in the news about how you know his uh, obedience have been beaten or flogged and stuff like that. Yeah, and that has like necessitated response from the opposing parties. So with for the article campaign, we don't really have much to say about them. Article dropped a video um, where he was dancing, you know, like doing like a photo shoot. Yeah, um, his his approach, his tactic, is, you know, he's staying fairly out of the free, fairly silent, and when he drops, he drops these like heavily. Um, heavily consultants created um uh, you know like stuff um but then the 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 loudest opposition is Bola Ahmed Tinubu now Tinubu has been out of the country for a while um most people assume you know recuperating. something to do with his with his health because he's obviously not a um, not
1: a, a very healthy a very active he's man he's not a spring chicken you could, you could No, no, he's not a spring chicken uh... He's an elderly man. He's an elderly,
0: elder statesman, very elderly. And into that vacuum has a lot, a number of his surrogates have tried to step in. Um, you know, some, some prominent um, female campaign person in Lagos, um, Festus kiamo on TV, and they've aggressively, you know, talked about um, his achievements or lack of, you know, they seem to have no shame not knowing where he is in the country. But people have decided to hone in on this um, qualitative measure of popularity, which is rally size. Yeah, um, and so you, you saw a lot of emphasis on on size of you know the rallies that PDP was holding. Now that Sinibu you know um, had his own rally, lots of people are hammering on it. Um, um, the governor of, of of Lagos you know is talking about it uh, talking about it a lot. You know um, somebody is talking about how John Goodman Mature, that special scam was on claim. Um, but like you know, people are suggesting that it's Touts and area boys that staff the crowd um, because you know we've seen videos of people at markets in Lagos where you know people are being denied access to their stores unless yeah, they unless they pay and, then, the, and the... they pay and they participate in rallies. It was yeah, there was a yeah. story about like I cannot pay people and everything. So like you know, second I guess like topical conversation under on, on this like Tinubu versus Obi versus Atiku situation and just the politics of it. What do you make of, of you know the rally size and rally intensity, I guess, as a measure of the candidate's like popularity or success in a context like Nigeria where you yeah. know, with MCO Luaman and the antics and everything, you can't really take what you're seeing. Um, but, but it serves two purposes, I guess, like anyway. I think it's there's a psychological element to it where when Nigerians look at it and I'm like, ah, someone, these people they can they can mobilize finally. Like they can mobilize, even if it's the area boys or whatever, whatever. they have the, the, the way to get people out, um, you know, to do it. Um, so like Dan, wh- what do you think about like, you know, what we're seeing in terms of crowd sizes and, and the antics of TNB's campaign?
1: Yeah, I mean, on, on the p 2 p side, I can see why it's necessary to push the issue of momentum. This is someone who's um, in sporting parlance is in last place of the three in terms of what I would say, the traditional, um, traditional, should we say? Yeah, the handicap. Yeah, yeah his gravitas in terms of um, the other two have just been long going politics for argument's sake, right? Mm. Uh, he's not as wealthy as the other two. Um, so I think, and he's a, he's a disruptor most importantly, right? He's, like you will say, he's the third, relevant third force, a viable third force, the first of which we've probably seen um, in a while in Nigerian politics. So I think he, more than the others, needs to put forward this positive image of acceptance, right? The mm-hmm. idea that um, in the social contract with the people, he is doing his bit. He is the one that is being seen as being able to deliver on good governance he's the one that's seen carrying the hope of the people and when you look at Atiku I think Atiku is just playing it safe you know um he doesn't he you know I think in his side he doesn't see himself as having to attack anything yet um he very much has his strongholds he's playing um he has his bases in check um I think very much would depend on what um, happens with the PDP national structure in terms of the party, determine articles success or not. And obviously that includes Wiki in there as well. Mm-hmm. The Bola to the side of things, I think that's very much Lagos-centric, actually, in terms of... Yeah. You have to look at it. I think for them, they see Lagos as this kind of ideological um, banner-holder... Um, Torchbearer, it's the state that for them they need to win from a psychological point of view as the stronghold. As it's it's the it's
0: the crux of their campaign. So um, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking that like Atiku's main argument, basically, or like as you were saying, like he's staying silent, he doesn't feel feel like he has to say much right now. I think his campaign can be pretty confident that there's enough anti APC sentiment nationwide to to just carry. Him on his coattails. So, even if he doesn't really do much, there's enough people who just hate APC. Yep. So, so, whether so whether those people feel like they, they want to waste their vote or to take a chance on Peter Obi, or whether they buy into this narrative that Peter Obi can't win anyway. So, let me just vote um, PDP. But, like, PDP's way are, APCs were around the argument, sorry. So, the claim that, like, you know, Kiamo was making on TV, has been making on TV, and that Tinubu's campaign is resting on is that, yes, Tinubu is part of APC. But Tinubu shouldn't be judged based on Buaris Nigeria. Tinubu mm. should be judged based on Lagos. So Please. you're hearing these slogans of you're hearing these slogans of Peter Obi. Why is Peter B not campaigning in his own state? Yeah, in Lagos. All the people would you rather want Nigeria to look like Anambra, look like Lagos? Yeah. Segueing into that, like if you can address that, like you know, so, uh, uh, yeah, say, I mean, the, both, the, the Lagos Lagos as the main you know argument that APC as a as the model that APC is putting forward
1: for what they want to do. Um, I think it's clever Nigeria. because if you look at the national structure, from a federal point of view, you can look at structural failures of the APC government. So Tinubu has to do something to differentiate himself from Buhari. Um, mm. Tacitly, obviously, there's the Muslim-Muslim ticket, there's the tribal element as well, Lagos being a European state, um, but being ever so metropolitan in nature, so cosmopolitan in nature, so welcoming in nature, so... Uh, meritocratic in nature, that um, people like have come to Lagos, even um, a lot yeah. of other minorities, um, ethnic minorities in Nigeria, Igbos, Tiv, any states. I'm sure the whole 36 states are, are represented in Nigeria. Um, so, in, sorry, in Lagos, even. So, and I think Tinumbu can only really point to Lagos as his major victory. And at the end of the day, this might actually be a weakness for Obi because you have to look at it as this. It's a valid point because if everyone reverts to their state of greatest impact, should we say, mm-hmm. or state of greatest, um where you can link them best to, what they're best known for. Tunumbu comes out number one. Um yeah. and we've both <laughs> we've both been in Lagos. We know that Tunumbu's work is Overrated, I think. A lot of yes, the time,
0: yeah, definitely. There, there's, there's a myth that he's he's benefited. There, there's a bit of a myth,
1: but what is yeah. not a myth is f- the following. And we deal with facts here, so we have to be honest. Um, Tinubu had a rift with President Olusegun Obasanjo um, in the mid to t- late 2000s, and for eight years, whilst um, General Obasanjo was in power, essentially Lagos did not get um, adequate or sufficient um, federal funding so the way it works in Nigeria is that the federal center essentially disperses some Mm -hmm. complex calculations to each member state based on what they put in theoretically that's the theory um you know Lagos basically got nothing and if nothing is innovative and he is he has what the Americans would call the hustler mentality. I think with him, he's clearly somebody who can make things happen. He seems to be able to also appoint technocrats very well. And that is not in doubt, because if you look at the kind of, ban- the, the, what's it called? Assembly line of governors after him, who he strategically put in place um, from Fashola to Ambode. Somebody did a lot as well in Lagos to so Jide Sonwalu at the moment. You can see that there's a master plan in place for Lagos. Now, how well they're following it, how well it's evolved, if they've actually properly developed on it, it's hard to say. But nobody can say that Lagos hasn't like shown some level of improvement. Now... Whether or not it has developed at the rate it should, it clearly hasn't. But I mean, it's it's US flagship state now. Exactly. So, tunubu would be very unwise to ally himself to a failing national picture for APC. This is his best ticket. Now, the reason I said this might be a weakness for Obi is this. Obi was the governor of Van Ambra State. And if you look at it, really, if everyone was going back to their tent... To, to kind of put down their flag. Um, Atiku can say, look, I'm from Adamawa. Look at my stand in Adamawa. I have all these local. I have all these titles, You know, I'm very well respected in you know, strongholds within the state. Mm-hmm. Look at my record, look at my popularity in Abuja. He can co-opt Abuja and say, Abuja really developed under my vice presidential status. For the North, look at what I did. Abuja became the pride of the Northern um, minorities as well. Look at what we did. And that was mostly under me as VP. So Atiku has his own conclave that he can shout to as well. obi Anambra is a tricky one. And I think this is where um, there needs to be a lot of... You say what you want about Bola Ahmed. There's not been a shortage of people coming out taking bullets for him, metaphorically. Like, there's been so it's many the powerful person. Like, and and you can never discount, never discount the 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 the, <laughs> the, the power of numbers, right? Um, for those of you who watch any fantasy series, game as well, lot of things, wherever you want to watch, the the power of numbers is always this factor, because Cinebook can just keep throwing out supporters, and he never has to take. To front stage until he necessarily has to. Peter Obi doesn't seem to me to have that kind of shield wall, right? Um, He doesn't have that. um, I'm not going to use the S word tonight. um, That rhymes with um, (laughs) (laughs) dark, but. He, he, i'm talking purely now from like a political gamesmanship point no of but it. it's i i think it's
0: fair to use the structural word because you know um when we talk about structure we have to be clear about wh- what we mean when people talk about structure and they actually mean um polling centers people there i don't, I don't think they're really for the structure that apc is benefiting from for example Tinubu is in not necessarily political areas like tinibu effectively controls you know the public transport workers in Lagos Mm. effectively controls the markets and anybody who knows anybody who knows like you or nigeria in general knows that like public transportation and markets are like an essential you know part of of everyday life they' they're almost kind of like how labor unions function in the US so well, in, I think they're life.
1: they're exactly and same similar, similar to how you yes. have um, unions here as well you know in terms of yeah um real workers and public sector workers unions um yeah and, at the moment.
0: and in any political system unions are always a very influential very powerful block except that like you know they don't exactly like lock your shop or like beat you or force you to buy extort you you know for um an ugly sticker of of Tinubu and um, whatever his face um shuts him out like, that person that is that is on um, vice president and I, and, I, and i see what you're what you're getting at like with 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 lagos and you know the merits of it um although they're like we acknowledge, there is a myth around Tinubu's influence in making Lagos what it yeah, is. There, there is. Um, yeah, there's Some of, some of it is just a function of Lagos's location, where it is before mm-hmm. strategic place. After Tinubu, mm-hmm. um, maybe yeah. you know, iron sharpens iron, and fire makes you know breeds quality outcome. Because like you were getting at during the the passenger presidency, you know Tinubu was forced to Lagos was forced to be um, resourceful. And Lagos remains the model place um for um, Nigeria, but Tinubu, I don't know if he can escape the albatross. A couple of albatrosses hang over Tinubu's head. One of them being his just his age and general demeanor. He doesn't seem all there. And I feel like Nigerians, I feel like Nigerians are scarred by having a sickly president in charge. Yes. At Buhari before the campaign, you, you could always see that. Like before he became president, you could always see that. Like you know, he he, he was an old man, but like he has been president for eight years now. Do you understand? And eight years yeah. is a long time, and he changes somebody. Tinubu already looks haggard. Essentially, yeah. His campaign is having to release questionable videos of him on a. On a, <laughs> on a bike, on a tread bike. exercise says bike, it's so hilarious. Like he he looked completely out of place. It was obviously something that like you know say, say what you will about Joe Biden, but Joe Biden can actually ride a bicycle. Like mm-hmm. Jonathan, he he's an old man, but like that's something that he's been doing in his life. Cynoob doesn't look like he climbed that thing for the first time, and he was holding on for a dear life. Apparently, the video is from a whole year ago, and he already looks that bad. You can tell like there's slight things that is happening between like, his fashion sense is changing. So you see Tinubu now, turtleneck, blazer, he's wearing some like he's wearing some kind of like suits and everything. He's he's campaigning. I don't think he's ever had a campaign like this ever in, in his entire life. Nice. Um it's clear that whatever he was doing in the UK was like turbocharging him for um um for the campaign season that's coming up. Um, he's not been, He's been asked different questions from Peter Obi because Peter Obi is also abroad. But like with Tinubu, the abroad question is, is he alive? Where is he? What's going on with him? saying? is he well? But, but Peter Obi is abroad, but everybody can see him and can see what he's doing um, and everything. So Tinubu has that arbitrage over his head. He also has the arbitrage of being part of APC. And I just don't think, you know, it's something that he's going to be able to shake off very easily. Um, just That that APC baggage that has come, people are just, people are tired yeah, <laughs> that of the Buhari APC
1: um, there's, you know, I mean example. there's only so far you know there's only so far you can kind of pull people's walls back the one thing with power is that over time it becomes stale you have to re-energise, you have to reinvent and the issue that Tinubu is going to have progressively is to argue that after 8 years of APC rule he could bring in something fresh. You know, he's going to struggle. And I think the point you make about his health is absolutely crucial. Um, Nigerians here and abroad have really, you know, had to confront the suitability of a candidate. Um, I think, like you said, there was an impression given that Buhari, although elderly at the time he took the role was at least one of, looking at his military background, one of extraordinary health. We know elder people who yeah. still maintain a high level of fitness. You know, he's obviously very slender and at that time was still, had a strong voice. I think it's quite important as well. Um, when I've heard Tinimbu speak, his voice isn't as strong. And that's that, that might sound odd to people. You, you know, just sit on it. Think, think a minute about what I'm saying. Because... One of the real precursors for destabilization and the ineff- ineffectiveness of the Buhari government was the sense of his ill health and the idea of this cabal. Yeah, there's no way the there. idea that there was a, a vacation, essentially. A vacuum, yeah. The people, you know, there's this phrase about justice not just being done, but being seen to be done to retain efficacy. And one could argue that um, you need to see the president in a way where he exudes presence. He exudes mm. or she apologies, obviously. She exudes strength and exudes that presence of mind. So you believe when you look at their residence, or when yeah. you hear that there's an issue, you yeah, believe I mean, that there's yeah, right? Yeah. You believe that there's a there's a CEO at the top of the nation dealing with it. And that's a big problem for Tinubu. That's a big problem for Tinubu. Now, there have been gaffes all over the you know, place. I think it's interesting as well. You see the APC machine, um, all of a sudden, um, attentions have turned to the Niger Delta. They know that oil is a, a very emotive issue in that part of the world and in the South generally. And this idea to try and weaponize um, this pipeline that was discovered. Yeah. yeah, so I thought I thought it was quite interesting, like I said, that, that the pipeline, which was a diversion from a legitimate pipeline, would have required such a high level of technical ability, um, knowledge of the local topography, um, how was the oil being diverted, where was it diverted to, containers, the, the resources to be able to finance this whole operation is beyond the work of local um oil tappers or, you know, bandits who are maybe siphoning a few tens of gallons of oil. This was a huge multinational operation. Where was the oil going to? Who was procuring this oil? What was happening to it without the government's um, attention in terms of, obviously, through the legal channels, they would tax, you know, they would have sight of where the oil was going in terms of tax, bill of laden, blah, blah, blah all that kind of stuff. So when you look at the APC machine kind of jumping on that, trying to, you know, very <laughs> interestingly enough, timing it just within the Jonathan administration, um, but not recent enough to do with the Buhari yeah. government. It's very, very interesting timing. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's now well, been we put in place.
0: To, we, we have to believe that Nigerians are smarter than than, you know, what APC think they are. Um, So I I think like a lot of the reaction has been quite predictably bullshit, kind of the points that you're making, like this pipeline is not a, like it's theft, basically it's diverting oil from an established pipeline. There's no way, you know, the type of sophistication required to pull this off, um, you know, it it implicates both people internally and externally because the buyers are probably from um, another country. Yep. you know, or, or a foreign like counterparty. So I, I think it's quite clear that like you know that there's some shady stuff going here. Um, although so I'm I'm not really sure like in terms of like you know the politics of it, I'm not really sure that like it would have the effect APC um, that it does. Um, I, I, I think more more likely it's it's like you know going to hardening like the cynicism that people already have um, ab- about the political parties. Um, but you know, we, we we were just talking about like the kind of backing I guess that Tenable has um, the levers that APC as a national party is able to pull, you know, on behalf of their on behalf of their, um, behalf of their pre- preferred candidates. One such example is finding a a, a pipeline that has been supposedly doing the legal stuff conveniently just before the APC administration. Indeed, has been in and has now been you know, conveniently discovered now on on the way out um, in, in terms of in terms of like you know the campaign messaging that we're hearing from you know the candidates that that, that, that are around Tinibu, as we alluded to before is having to or his campaign surrogates are having to speak to you know his Lagos state example having to speak to so you hear in some quarters also that you know a vote for B is basically a vote for PDP. And the same backlash that kind of brought APC into power threatens to sweep them out of power. Because I think when you know APC took over from PDP, it was just kind of like a Nigerians were just done. Like, you know, PDP has been in power for, for a number of years. You guys have, have not given us anything. You've destroyed the country, destroyed the economy. Um, so we want something new. So APC came in. The irony, um, right? About yeah, the irony of it because- is that like you now APC has frustrated everybody. Yeah. PDP is now presenting themselves as the alternative option um but you know as we all know PDP there's some infighting going on um you know with Wiki not being the most loyal um you know um, party member after his you know rejection that's, that's an interesting vote. that's an interesting phrasing not being the most loyal party member um, yeah, not, not being a party party member, he's actively being photographed deliberately, you know, with with an opposition candidate in Petarabi. Um, he has thrown a lot of sand in PDP's Gary, um, you know, in, in this campaign. Even though, like as as we mentioned before, Atiku doesn't seem like the strongest, most effective campaigner. APC is campaigning. APC is actually campaigning, um, you know, actually trying to get a message out there. But like, the messaging, still on the messaging points, the, the, the three parties kind of... So everyone is talking about the same things, basically. Um, security, economy, youth empowerment. Basically, is all everybody is talking about. We want to do stuff for the youth, want to help out the youth. There's lots of youth, youth empowerment, youth vote, youth energy, and it's the backdrop like to everything. Then security, yeah. you know, Nigerians know that, like, they don't feel safe. Around. People feel that threat of insecurity looming large. Um, and then, you know, the economy. The economy is, has gone to hell. People don't, like, you know, prices have gone up ridiculously. Um, people feel generally, like, the country, like, you know, stifles innovation. And I would mention one other, like, fourth thing, which is the structure of, of the country. So everyone talks about, like, everyone gives a nod towards um restructuring um you know um cuz are we talking about like fe- fed- like a federalist type of system where the states have more power um, yeah, everybody's absolutely. alluding to you know probably creating state police force or uh, people are alluding to like decentralizing um power but you know as we get closer and closer to election day and you know parties try and hone on their message it doesn't feel like anyone has settled on yeah i think yes. I- what do you think the messages would be from the parties,
1: and who do you think has the strongest? Um... Just, just before I go into that, I, I think one topic that I think is of grave importance to any, if Nigeria is to retain any semblance of itself, any form of unity, which is not being discussed um, as one would expect, is um, insecurity. Um, yeah um it seems all quiet on that particular front um and I think the concern is that during the last eight years the Nigerian borders have been very porous, there's been allegations of incursions of some sort of militia arming exercise, some sort of relocation of um, gun wielding um ranches to parts of the south um to the hinterlands and especially dispersing themselves within communities to uh, to cause trouble at a later dates. and I think those kind of concerns are ongoing in terms of porousness of Nigeria's borders the, you know, you know is there an accountability towards um, armed individuals who are you know, banditry and things like that, it doesn't seem like that's been dealt with in any great manner compared for example to actions, brutal actions taken against opposed nationalists um, in the form of Sunday, Boho, and um, Asli. Um, know. So you look at that, those kind of situations, and I think insecurity, for me, should be the number one issue. 1A one should be 1B to economy, obviously, being 1A. Um, and I think, to answer your question, who's going to, what issues are people going to take out? Um, mm-hmm going in order i think peter will set out his store as a, an economic reorganizer um so mm. who's going to transform nigeria by transforming her fortunes from a financial point of view and I, you take the point like a more prosperous nation will focus will have the funds to be a bit more secure to invest more in security so everything flows for money right so If people have more money, they're happier, they're less likely to commit crime. Here's the prevailing theory. It's not that this actually happens in reality. You have more money spent on education, on infrastructure, on trade. That's the theory. Um, I think Bola Ametunumbu is going with uh, proven governance. So I think he's looking at it from the fact of Nigeria being this complex behemoth and requiring governance in itself efficient governance and he's saying look at what i've done in lagos um i've by bringing order by bringing structure and putting people in the right places you allow places to flourish you allow things to govern you allow things to grow um he's essentially saying he has a, a competence that buhari doesn't have which is interesting considering he was a kingmaker for buhari right but tinumbu's argument is yeah, I'm APC, but I'm the competent guy. Like, I'm yeah. I, I'm the guy who knows what... And I look at Lagos as proof of that. Exactly. And then Atiku, like we said, I think Atiku is taking more of a defensive stance, you know, kind of holding his ground. Atiku's call is probably... um, It's a soft power approach. I think with him, you get the idea that, okay, this is a Muslim man, but not so fundamentalist as um, perhaps some of the current... Um, people in power, who might not push as much of an Islamist agenda, perhaps, who is Wazobia personified with a wife from each of the three major regions, Mm -hmm. and who, I think the economy is also important for um, Atiku, um and also his record in government as well.
0: But but it's basically you know APC is terrible. Look at the last eight years. Yeah, he doesn't have structure, it's not so really don't, a positive. Vote, don't wish your voice. with him.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean if I had to choose one word, I'd say modernization, it's probably articles approach. So he's saying, you know, look at me, I liberalized the markets. I was GSM, I was the guy who brought GSM to Nigeria. I'm not sure how true that is, but
0: yeah,
1: he's he will say. I'm the guy who's going to open up the Nigeria to the world in that sense. Obviously, in terms of education, I think Atiku has Atiku can actually point to his track record in education because he opened a university, didn't he? So he's he's definitely invested in education and shown that side of things. And I think education is a tool, a key tool. The problem with education is that it takes a generation for you to yield the results of said education. In the meantime. You have ongoing day-to-day issues and that's that's always the issue of education because it's it's one of these things that yields fruit in time it's like a compound interest situation and governments always kick it down the line you know um asu have been on strike so this is <clears throat> the body that um you know, in terms of in charge of uh university education in nigeria there's been strikes for seven months students have not been you know imagine you're doing a three-year degree or four i think it's four years minimum in nigeria
0: yeah.
1: and for a year you've missed a whole year's worth of tuition of assignments of social interaction of networking of developing your skills you know it's 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 absolutely criminal it's no,
0: the, the, the question article has to answer is you know if nigerians are looking for an alternative to apc why should they go to him instead of ptlb Which which is why I alluded to, like he he has to kind of triangulate. Um, He's presenting himself as you know an alternative to APC because APC is terrible, but also he's acknowledging the Peter Obi existence, but looking at him as Peter Obi is my boy. He was going to be my vice president, you know, in the past um, campaign. Yeah. He doesn't have the structure, quote unquote, and is not yet quite like his time um i i i I think they're making the right bets that there's there's just enough apathy towards apc nationwide um but then like you know he has to at some point eventually um campaign yep um do you think we're going to see because you know he like i said he dropped i think he dropped a a, an instagram or like a tiktok e video with him you know dancing and, and doing a lot of stuff. Tinubu is back in Nigeria. Everybody was asking where he was. As soon as he came back, there was a lot of like, you know, ceremony with him at the airport. Um, you know, next thing we you know, there's this rally that happens in Lagos that is being, you know, so the campaign is in full force. It's yeah. being shared by, by Keiamo, by the governor of of Lagos, by everyone who supports APC. So do you think we can expect um, in the ratcheting up of, of the campaign, um, you know in, in parts in US in the US for example you have things like the October surprise where news dumps happen Stories drop so like I should work with his abortion story or you know after yeah. Biden with Joe Biden in the 2020 campaign Hillary Clinton uh, emails yeah. also you know Trump access Hollywood so that's how it works here um in, in, in Nigeria you know we don't we never really get like this type of like journalistic you know um, info dumps but the campaign is going to heat up, so we're we're gonna like you know see debates probably in, in the coming months. Um, we're gonna have we're gonna see good. the candidates like well, we're gonna see the candidates like speaking. Um, but like, how do you think? You know, because Petavi eventually has to come back to Nigeria. He has to. He has to. He can only campaign abroad for so long. Yeah. I think he's going to have to get himself. You know, they, they're going to have to to move from just having the surrogate speak for them. Um, to having you know to, to themselves their campaign. So, uh, how do you think you know the campaign is going to play out, um, leading up to like the final days of 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 the election? Just like tactically.
1: Well, so I think what you'll find is obviously there's a greater need now for the candidates to present themselves to the nation. Um, you've mentioned the debates. Um, I think it's quite possible, like you've seen before, that Tinobu doesn't bother to attend. So you end up with an article, Peter Obi, debate in person. I think you see a lot more. All of a sudden, everyone's an anti bullying campaigner. All of a sudden, no one remembers the vile insults that were thrust upon Um, good luck, good uh, president, even good luck, Jonathan, his wife, who was a laughing stock. and um, I remember even someone like um, his min- one of his ministers, exactly, um, she was, you know, routinely abused um, by sections of the APC-supporting media, be that on Twitter, be that on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. So I think, uh, and I always say, you know, the grace that you want, the grace that is suddenly being sought by the APC party and their supporters, where was that energy, you know, nine years ago when it was time to, to decimate the character of good luck Jonathan? Um, Nigeria was in a much this is this is fact, Nigeria was in a much better financial position. Yeah, Nigeria was in a safer place, safer place to travel. Um, Nigeria was a place where tech was booming. Nigeria was a place where you had a generation of, um, you know, artists, creatives doing things. You had, obviously, the, the, and you see, the, it's the kind of the remnants of that that are still yielding all these musicians, all these artists. You know, they were all kind of cultivated. Music entrepreneurship blew up in that time with the big three, with, I'm sorry, big four I have to respect Alami Day and YBL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um people like David Doe, people like these guys all came out around that kind of ten, ten years ago, the idea of um opening up the music industry, even Nollywood opening itself up. This all came down under that 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 period. So you look at it and you have to say what has the Burhari government offered? Vlogs, um trips Abroad, um, doctor TV speeches. I mean, what else uh, am I missing anything? Um, insecurity, uh, hmm. rising tribal issues. Um, I mean, it's all you know fairly. I mean, obviously, there's stuff like COVID, which. Thank, we just no, me. <laughs> but uh, so, like the
0: apathy <laughs> that exists towards Buhari, it's it's wide and, and far-reaching, yeah. and everyone seems to just accept/slash understand that all oh, or a significant portion of our problems in Nigeria can be traced directly back to Mama Buhari. It's poor so, leadership.
1: It's poor leadership. It's um, administration. It's poor leadership. So, and I think you know the. The one has to look at the upcoming period, like you say, what, what, what the expectations are for the respective parties. I think who's going to come out on top? Um, Peter will be in any public speaking, we'll always trounce the other two. Um, Atiku is well spoken, but I think, like you say, he's probably relying on a silent majority or a silent, yeah, population. Um, Part of the population that um, probably supported APC maybe feel a bit silly for doing that, have probably suffered personally or economically or one way or another as a society because of that decision, and see this as you know a protest vote per se. Um, Peter Obi, I keep saying you know one cannot measure the impact. that the support that he has the revolutionary ideas the idea that he's the man who embodies a whole generation's hopes and ambitions for a nation um or a number of generations even so but how do you quantify that that's the that's the tricky thing um and it's hard to say what that would look like. How
0: do you how do you translate that into votes? Exactly. Um,
1: that's that 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 and that's okay. those who have listened to our previous podcast and my concerns on <laughs> how that that's literally what I'm saying. How do you translate all this really positive stuff? I remember a friend of mine sent me a number of rallies, a number of Nigerian states, and you know. I just said to him like okay this is all very good this is fantastic okay how does this compute what, what, what does this mean in terms of that day you know you're watching your channels you're watching your arrives you're watching your NTA you're watching your AIT if they still exist you're watching all these channels and yeah <laughs> what, what does that mean what does that, what has he managed to secure? And I think that that, that ultimately is a question that needs to be answered. And unfortunately, we can't answer that until the votes are cast. Let's,
0: let's I mean, let's talk a bit about like, you know, kind of like the narratives that, that exist around the Peter campaign. Something that you alluded to um, with the, I guess, like perceived meanness or, you know, aggressiveness of obedience online. It's a narrative that seems to have, you know, been picked, repeated, Repeated online and it's now set. Um, so, so you know, the, there's clearly a thing about how obedience are, you know, impatient seem to not respect opposing um, views and everything. There is a there is a tribalistic, like you know, elements to the narratives that exist around you uh, know the election. So, so how, how do you think Nigerians are going to react to these narratives that have been set and and also you know the tribal politics. Um, which is something that we've alluded to a number of times in the past when we're talking about this issue. But, like, how do you think the tribal politics of this are going to play out? Peter is definitely not a sure banker to win um, the East ways from. Um, but no, none of them are sure to win any of that. So, you know, Tinubu isn't necessarily sure to win. Um, Southwest, Neither that's the core of the North. Um, not, nobody has a sure position. How do you think the tribal politics of, of this are going to play out?
1: Yeah, I think when you look at, okay, you talk about tribal politics, for example, and um, my understanding is the current president of PDP or national chairman or whatever is from the middle belt. And um, part of the issue there is that some southerners say, well, they are technically part of North Central. But in reality, to me as a southerner, I would much rather have <laughs> whoever is competent doing that role, number one. But secondly, if you're going to talk about those of common interests, surely someone from the Middle Belt has a more common interest with somebody from the Southeast as opposed to somebody from the Northwest, for argument's sake. And I think that's the thing with Nigeria. This is a country that is built on those ethnic divisions. And if you look at the Tinambu, you know, there was a rally, was it the deputy governor was talking about the fact that, you know, Yoruba's will be able to campaign in Lagos, would a Yoruba be able to campaign in Alhambra? I mean, it's a legitimate question, isn't it? (laughs) The obvious answer is, well, why doesn't a Yoruba person go there? Let's see how it works, try it, let's see what happens. Um, But in reality, society has moved beyond that, and it's, I feel like in the cosmopolitan areas, those kind of divisions, according to intellectuals, you see people of all different tribes um, supporting Peter Obi. The reality is though, on ground, and some, I read, I saw a tweet, and it was quite poignant. It said, the, the two groups in Nigeria who actually have congruency are the uneducated and the elite. Um... And the reason that is, is because they want the status quo. Um, or they, they, they will go with whoever has a particular following, right? Whoever... Who's who's,
0: who's, who's likely to win.
1: Exactly. Who, who, who's, who's, for the uneducated, who unfortunately are in hand-to-mouth jobs, it's who's giving them that rice and beans, who's giving them the oil, the spaghetti, because they have kids, they have families to feed, um Who's giving them the five thousand naira? Because they have bills. They need to get electricity. They need to get, you know, to run a business. Maybe. So, when what is a vote to a poor <laughs> to a poor man with five kids? What what what, what is in the value of? The I mean,
0: vote? let's let's stay on that for a second, um because like you know, uh, in, in a lot of the reaction to the crowds that we've seen at Tinubu's rallies, this is something that I sort of alluded to as well. You, you often hear people dismiss the attendants as like dogs or area boys or, you know, market women and stuff like that, as if they are any less, you know, Nigerian than, oh. uh, than, than any of us. And, you know, while we feel like we know better, um, you know, what Nigerian needs than them, how do you think we should reckon with, first of all, the people who actually support these guys, Tinubu or Atiku? Or the fact that, like, people people vote their self-interest. Mm. And there's, you know, you kind of begrudge the man who is voting based on the fact that he stands to benefit directly from Tinibu's presidency. So whether it's that they gave me 5K today, they will give me 5K 10 months from now, so I'm voting for Tinibu, or it's that, you know, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who would be in the Tinibu, you know in a circle and somehow the other the benefit will touch me yeah. um how do you think we should reckon with 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 that aspect of it
1: yeah and I, I think that's why i've always said that politics is a science of human behavior into human interaction and servicing those needs and collating those with common beliefs and common ideologies from that part of that and part of winning in politics is a broad message and a message that is simple, um, we all know Donald Trump make a, make America great again. you know It was very point, it was punchy, it was punchy. Barack Obama was, "Yes, we can. You know um, it, it, Those are slogans, yes, but the message behind it is very straight, it's very simple. You have three or four pillars of policy that punch behind that. And I think what Peter would be, for example, needs to be in putting out his manifesto. Um, rough draft version um, you know a lot of it is very good stuff it's stuff that you want to see, it's about technological advancement dealing with insecurity, state police funding, economy investments small businesses you know kind of restoring the dignity to a Nigerian, it's all well and good but how do you simplify that message for a vulcanizer who who perhaps had to drop out of primary school to help his family because he lost a parent or one of the parents got ill, needed to help with work. How do you... Who's unfortunately now um, illiterate. How, how do you get that message out to this individual? And I, I think that is the crux of winning. It's the ability to simplify your message in a way where the man in the castle and the man under the bridge can both relate to your message and can therefore say i believe that this person would deliver for me that's the difficulty and that's what you know strategists political strategists, get paid the big the big box for and i think ultimately that's what's going to deliver the victory to one of the three candidates who can reach out to the masses spell out their position most who generally. can
0: who can get them to see beyond their stomach interest uh, in their stomach stomach infrastructure but i mean we're we're, we're gonna stay on top of it we're gonna pay attention to you know every single development that that happens in the lead up to the elections when people's manifestos drop we're gonna you know cover it and it as always and as the election season hits up you know you can be sure to get coverage from from us i don't think you know there's any other um content creator out there that's like, talking <laughs> about it doesn't exist. And you definitely don't want to be listening to channels TV um RI. Uh, so you know be sure to, to like, subscribe and and share. And we appreciate like you know the listeners that are that have been working with us so far.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for listening and um, have a good week. Yep. See you in the next episode.